Welcome to episode five of Honestly Unbalanced. Today we had a chat with Galahad Clark. Galahad is a co-founder and CEO of Vivo Barefoot. And a little bit about his background, he's a seventh generation shoemaker. Uh, and as a teenager, he spent most of his summer holidays on production lines in Europe and Asia, learning the family trade. Uh, after finishing school, he went to America on a Moorhead scholarship to study Chinese and anthropology. And while there, he founded Students for Students, an international organization created to help disadvantaged students in Africa go to the best secondary schools and on to university. Uh, in 2003, lured by the Wu-Tang Clan wearing wallabies, Galahad started his first shoe project, Wu Shoes. He then went on to launch United Nude, which are high-end architectural shoes, Worn Again, a closed-loop green technology business, and now all of the attention, or most of it, goes to Vivo Barefoot. Uh, Vivo is an awesome brand. I wear their shoes most days. Uh, and actually, you can get a discount uh, on Vivo Barefoot if you use my little code, uh, Adam Hustler VB, and you can get 10% off with that code on the website. Enjoy the chat, guys. Take care. One final little note just to set the scene. So we recorded this at the beginning of uh, lockdown. So we're doing this remotely, working with the technology we have each end. So do excuse some slight delays and one or two beeps, but it might make any difference to the conversation. You'll still enjoy it. Honestly unbalanced. So out of interest, is this what you were always looking for like, uh, you, you know, when you were younger, when you thought about wealth in a broad sense, is this what you wanted kind of to be in the country, family, children? Was that always the direction of travel? Yeah, it's funny because I'm, I'm pretty much home and pretty much where I grew up. I grew up in rural Southwest England. And, um, I, you know, I think that nostalgia and treading the same paths that you trod as a kid is, uh, becomes more and more powerful, honestly. And, you know, I've traveled all over the world and there's nowhere I want to be more than Southwest England. Mm. How? West side. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever live in London for a long time then? Yes, I did, yeah. Oh, so you have lived the city life. Time. Yeah, yeah, no, I've, I've, I've done all that, yeah. Mm. And where did, how has the, how the travel influence what you do now? I'm sure I know you've done lots of, in terms of the barefoot shoes, I know you've done a lot of research for running running in other countries, but how has travel influenced your life? Massively, um, I think, yeah, I mean, linked to the barefoot shoes, I mean, we've, um, well, first of all, we've traveled to all over the world to meet the leading scientists and biomechanists and uh, researchers in this in this area. And so it's, you know, which has been interesting and affirming, as it were. And then equally, we've also traveled to visit indigenous cobblers all over the world, from the Bushmen in the Kalahari to the um, a number of groups in India to the been up to Lapland to mm. meet the Sami people in northern Finland, uh, the Cree in Canada, the Hopi in uh, America, and um, yeah, so you know we're 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 really inspired and influenced by um, 
indigenous ancient wisdom, as it were. And we, you know, we like to talk about it in vivos. We, we try to combine basic ancient wisdom with uh, modern technology to make the best shoes we can. And was that, was in terms of order, did you do some traveling and realize actually the power of potential barefoot shoes? Or did you realize that more in the UK and then decide to then go to travel to research that to some degree? Mm. Well, I went to university in America um, and my, I mean, I come from a, my family are shoemakers. So I was kind of born in a shoebox, so to speak, <laughs> and desperate to not be in shoes. I went to America to escape my, my family and things. But then, of course, it was there that I got dragged back into shoes through my favorite music group that were into wearing shoes my family were making. Anyway, cut a long story short, I ended up running a um, an eco-fashion shoe company in the UK as a tiny little business. And, and then also had a Dutch girlfriend who um, was an architect who introduced me to Rem Koolhaas's nephew. And I launched a, a sort of sexy ladies brand called United Nude. Um, and then while all that was going on, a childhood friend of mine came to me with the idea of barefoot shoes. He mocked up a prototype when he was a student at the Royal College and he'd taken a pair of Nike Hirachis, cut the sole off and stitched on a tennis racket cover rather like a kind of <laughs> Indian mocker. And sort of said, look, this is how shoes should be made. And he'd come to it through Alexander Technique, actually. And, ah, and, okay. and have you done that yourself, um, the Alexander and, Technique? Um, sorry? Have you done the Alexander Technique yourself? Have you explored that? I have, yeah. I have, yeah. Um, and, and through that, he'd realized he was never more comfortable and better. And he, he got injured a lot playing sport, um, than when he was barefoot. So in, in fairness, um, it was his idea, this guy called Tim Brennan, and he came to me with this prototype. He tried to sell it to Adidas and gotten rejected. Um, and I just instinctively loved the idea of being a sort of rural kid as it were growing up near the seaside um and we just we set about developing vivo barefoot from there so it was i mean you know arguably my travels and zooming around were, had something to do with it and but none i guess i had a but it was actually a very very sort of it all happened within arguably you know like the, the, the guy that came up with the idea was born about five miles away from where i grew up in rural southwest england so probably Had, if i just stayed put it all would have happened anyway <laughs> far less travel and did with with regards the development of that did you have any 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 interest in barefoot running before before that guy contacted is it tim tim before tim got in touch isn't it tr did you run not, run the marathon really, it was a yeah but no that was after Right. It was, um, we started making, I just instinctively liked the idea of the shoes. And, and then when we made prototypes, I liked wearing them. And then as we got more and more into it, we started to get educated. And then um, people we were selling them to started writing in. And we originally, we were making just everyday shoes. And the very first Vivos had a zipper around them. And the idea was the sole was so thin that you could easily replace it but equally it was the only shoe you'd ever need so you could easily replace you know go from a kind of a sexy work look to a mm -hmm. sporty look or whatever but it was all always basically the same shoe which it, it still is but 
those zip shoes like 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 shorts that turn into trousers and sofas that turn into beds they're never particularly good shorts or trousers or sofas or beds mm. as it were so it was a it was a f- massive initial fail um they all <laughs> didn't quite work in production it was a disaster for a couple of years uh you know we hovered on the verge of bankruptcy a number of times um and and then we finally just made an integral shoe but it was through customers and then through actually you know sort of scientists and yoga teachers and uh biomechanists um sort of came to us and said yeah we love your shoes and we're using them for this and that and 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 then we went on this extraordinary education journey um and this was all pre-2009 2010 Okay. Um, and then that's when Chris McDougall's book Born to Run came out okay. and sort of almost kind of gave birth to what we call the sort of barefoot shoe movement in America and the whole five fingers phenomenon and you know um, and it wasn't until 2012 that we then launched Vivo Barefoot as a standalone brand and I stopped doing everything else and couldn't countenance making any other kind of shoe. Oh, you were fu- you were fully on board. And how long did it take you to get completely on board with with the idea of barefoot running? Did 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 he present you with lots of evidence when he initially came to you with the idea, or was it just based on anecdote that he kind of liked it? Yeah, no, I mean there was there was evidence, and and amazingly, there's lots of science about barefoot. You know. Um, over the years and, and and actually a lot of the best science is from over a hundred years ago um, oh, really? and and there was a whole movement around people like william rossi and a, and a whole number of others that had done a lot of research on the benefits of barefoot and things and and there's a a, a famous german pastor called sebastian kniep and obviously indians and chinese and cultures all around the world understand health through feet hmm. Um, and so we kind of came at it instinctively from that sort of perspective and, and, and before we got to the, the sort of hard science of the biomechanics of, and, and, and Western anatomical studies of barefoot, as it were. And I think I read somewhere that uh, the reason you think you might have gone bankrupt in the first place or nearly bankrupt is because you weren't offering people enough education around why barefoot is important. Is that right? It was the education factor that maybe made it initially yeah that's an ongoing i mean obviously that's an ongoing problem yeah mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the truth you know it's still not conventional wisdom it's far from it and yeah most people still think you need cushioning and support mm. and structure in shoes uh, even kids you know they think they need to put kids in snug fitting shoes with support and structure up, you know, and, and um, I mean, the education is far from over. Um, so we've, yeah, we, we've made various attempts to launch education programs over the years and we're, we're still at it basically. Um, and and we've, we've set up coaching certificates and partnered with educational establishments and things that, like personal trainer style organizations like the American Council for um for sport and um pt on the net etc etc um and it's you know slowly coming through and there's more and more people out there doing it and you know one of the big challenges is are the surgeons and the podiatrists themselves because 
in a way, the sort of pyramid of health education almost starts, at least in the Western world, starts mm. with the surgeons and the surgeons kind of educate the doctors and the doctors kind of educate the physios and the physios kind of educate the personal trainers and so on and so on. And, you know, in London, for example, the number one foot and ankle surgeon, um, or let's say number one of the leading foot and ankle surgeons in London is, is part of a, a very successful clinic sort of posh they have three or four clinics all over London doing foot and ankle surgery and he has 15 partners all leading foot and ankle surgeons and and of the 15 partners only two of them are basically believe in barefoot mm. oh really and this guy and just he did- five years ago so I was going to say, does he does he believe? Does that lead surgeon believe in barefoot and the power of barefoot? This one guy I'm talking about is is, is sort of one of these main guys, and he five years ago, ninety percent of his patients would come in, and 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 he would effectively uh, prescribe some kind of invasive procedure, mm. i.e., uh, surgery or orthotics or um, splinting or, or whatever. Um, and now five years later. 90% of his patients, he says, look, I could do this, some kind of medical procedure on you, or I could um, just prescribe you some foot rehab exercises. Mm-hmm. I think, what would you prefer? And, and, and so he reckons in, in the course of five years, he's gone from basically operating on most patients to just help teaching patients how to get healthy, strong feet again. And, and he's such a small minority and you can you know you can cascade pyramid from there is is still so against barefoot you know every podiatrist is so financially incentivized to prescribe 500 pound orthotics etc 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 and and so it goes down through the medical chain as it were do do you think there's a bit of a gap between a deep understanding of the body and you know the names of everything and how they all link together and actually you know being able to operate on a body to functional anatomy because i often will have doctors come to some of my trainings or some of my classes and they of course know the name of everything and they know the theory of how things should work but actually they've said themselves that they're never really educated in, in functional anatomy and how things actually move and how things actually integrate when one is you know, transferring load through them. Do you think that is a, is, is a big problem? A ma- massive gap, massive gap in it. And it starts at medical school and, and then it goes on to physio school, et cetera, et cetera. And just talking to medics who have, let's say, come out of the barefoot closet, um, you know, they talk about this so disparagingly that, you know, it's just such a big problem in the way people are taught about it. And he said it'd be shocking also just how uninterested a lot of surgeons and doctors are in taking their education that step further to really look at the body holistically. And, you know, as, as you well know, you know, the body's nervous system, muscular and tendon ligament system and skeletal system all start in the feet and they're all connected Mm. can i ask in an ideal world would everyone just have no shoes whatsoever i know that would mean that you'd be out of business but would that be an ideal world where we just don't didn't wear shoes at all no well no i mean we humans don't have hooves or pads (laughs) and so arguably 
what shoes were probably one of the first tools that humans ever invented to be able to engage in things like persistence hunting, which was arguably the kind of one of the first big evolutionary steps that mm. Homo sapiens made on the plains of Africa to be able to massively increase their calorie uptake and mm. brain development, et cetera, et cetera. So, so you know, and 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 shoes enabled you know the simple running sandals that will probably be made for tens of thousands of years by the Bushmen of Africa were one of the first tools made to enable that progress, along with spears and bows and arrows, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and 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 so shoes are are, are important, but obviously mm. those shoes still just allowed fundamentally allowed each foot to act completely naturally mm. and so you get almost no foot problems and and very few injury problems in those societies whereas you know we find ourselves in the modern west with all the science and wonderful technology we have and amazing shoes that appear all over the market and and depending on what statistic you read over 70 percent of people that run get injured mm. right which is Obviously, in a in a in a, in a hunter gatherer society, they'd all be dead. <laughs> and what what, um, what I was say, what do you think about the surfaces that we now walk on? Because I guess most of us now walk um, on very artificially flat, comfortable surfaces in very cushioned shoes. What, what do you believe that people can do to combat that? Is there a discussion of like, making sure people, let's say, walk through parks, walk on diverse terrain? Uh, as part of your research, yeah, what 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 are your thoughts on diversity of surfaces that we walk on? Yeah, like to- I mean, totally helps. Like the like the diversity of surface, and and then and obviously your ground feel. But you know, the argument about you know now we work on walk on concrete surfaces, um, so therefore we need padding is, is a bogus one because. The, the substrates of concrete are just as are, are the same density as a lot of the hard baked earth of Africa. Mm. And actually, you know, where they've done studies on people like Indian rickshaw pullers who are literally running around bare, literally running barefoot on the cobbled streets of towns of India for hours a day, they have some of the most perfect feet in the world. Mm-hmm. And there's an amazing guy called Mezenich out of um san francisco who's done a lot of work linking kind of foot feel let's say with your vitality with your brain Mm. vitality because a big part of your brain is is designated to getting information from your feet Mm. so if you walk around in padded shoes in a concrete world you're literally kind of cutting off that vital link. That's so interesting. Um, and so where, where, where your brain is designed to get information from every step you take and, and, and it's sort of, uh, and this kind of vice, you know, uh, literally sensory kind of um, engagement. When you cut that off, they, they, he links that to that brain, literally that part of the brain literally atrophying and then linking it to Alzheimer's and Parkinson's wow. and other brain degenerative diseases. So, so it's, it's reflexology. Sort of like, yeah. Has reflexology uh, has reflexology featured in your research then? Because obviously that's um, a lot to do with linking um, feet with certain yeah, emotions in the exactly. body. And the, I mean, yeah. It, Exactly. I mean, yeah. So, every, you know, the the the, the, ner- the feet have literally hundreds of thousands of nerve endings that mm. connect all over the body, 
um, and no question. And you know, as we said earlier, the Chinese understand um, healthy feet, healthy body, healthy mind connection very, very well. Why, like you know, uh, reflexology centers are kind of almost as common as hairdressers in China mm. still today. On your travels, were there any discovery? Because you know the diversity of people you said you visited is, is huge, including like the Sami and the like. Was there any moment that you found you that made you step back and think, "Wow, okay, that is that is different," or were all the people you were visiting more or less echoing the same message? Was there one moment of sudden learning? No, I mean one of my favorite. I mean, you bring up the Sami, and one of my favorite sort of barefoot anecdotes. Um, is is from them where they make um, their shoes out of reindeer hock, which is the skin below the knees of the reindeer. So you can imagine that 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 skin is designed to be in the snow all the time, and mm. and and yet keep the reindeer warm. And the reason it does is because the uh, the reindeer hair is is hollow. In, in, and, and so it has this incredible insulating property and, and that skin is particularly thick. So the Sami smartly make their shoes from the, the, the skin of the, of the reindeer legs. And then you can imagine when you cut the skin off a reindeer leg, it comes off in lots of funny bits, but they have this ingenious pattern to put the shoe together that they literally almost waste not a square centimeter of oh, wow. it. And, you, know, the, you know, the funny, the funny shoes that kind of have a yeah, no, they, toe, yeah. a pointy, pointy toe, but they're but they're perfect barefoot shoes, and they um, there's just one layer of skin. They just they wear them bare feet with a little bit of hay inside, and it's just one layer of skin then around the foot, and they're warmer and 50, they're fifty percent warmer and fifty percent lighter than the most advanced hiking boots in the world today, right? Oh, wow. They're just amazing shoes on many levels. So anyway, there's this old wives' tale in Lapland that um, they're particularly well-funded, right? Because the Scandinavian societies send them lots of money and <laughs> look after their people particularly well. So they get lots of uh, donations and money and, as they call them, posh fashion shoes from the South now, sort of, and, and along with a whole bunch of other modern society bits and bobs. And there's a there's an old wives' tale in in um, Samiland that uh, when your knees and back start hurting, uh, you just or, or you just need to stop wearing the the you just need to go back to wearing your traditional moccasins uh, for a couple of weeks, and they'll feel better again because because everyone started wearing sort of you know posh shoes from Indeed, the side, yeah. basically, and they don't really know why, but they just know that's the fact. Okay. And, the, and, and, and their traditional shoes that they've been making for probably thousands of generations are effectively beautiful mm. barefoot shoes made foot by foot from the local materials, just one um, layer of skin. And the posh kind of heeled, padded, crappy shoes from the south, um, you know, screw them up. And but do you think part of that would be because their body has developed only wearing barefoot shoes as well? For sure, but you know their body developed 
in a very natural way. <laughs> the body, body, nobody's designed to develop in heels. Oh God, no! Did you uh, <laughs> right, did you bring or, some of these did, shoes back with you? Apart from Dolly Parton's, what? <laughs> did you bring some of these uh, Sammy shoes back with you? Yeah, yeah. No, and we have a. We 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 try to, uh, you know, where we we actively partner with two groups in India and the Sand Bushman doing a kind of shoemaking exchange and we help sell some of their shoes internationally to, to raise funds for them, etc. Um, so we, and we actively engaged in a, in a project with them, but it hasn't come to fruition yet. They're, 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 you know, they're, they're actually amazingly and beautifully sort of fiercely protective of their local culture and think we oh, wow. are suspicious that we're, um, are suspicious of us basically <laughs> so, um, we haven't done that project off the ground yet and tell me the the brand itself it now up. and and the barefoot shoes it used to be quite niche it was the the unusual people in the gym that were perhaps it wearing the you know, the the five thing the mm, five, five, what toe, they the five fi- toes the five toe shoes etc now you know, i still go to the gym regularly alongside my yoga i would say often 30% of the people are wearing barefoot shoes. Uh, maybe it's just a gym I go to, but I'm seeing a huge amount and it's not just the the, the geeky or the biomechanic geeks that are wearing them. It's some of the crossfitters, uh, the runners, all sorts, all sorts in the gym wearing them. Even the boxers are wearing them. Uh, and I, that's my background actually, boxing. And I, I love them for boxing far more than you know, the, the constrained Adidas boots that I used to wear. Did you notice a point where you became a little bit more, the brand became more accessible? Was there a turning point or was that just a gradual education you put that down to? Yeah, it's not, it it honestly wasn't a sort of sudden tipping point. I mean, the truth is we thought we were just about, we thought there was going to be this massive tipping point in 2012 when we launched Vivo as a standalone brand. We knew about a bit of research coming out of Harvard that was going to show that barefoot movement was half as injurious as movement in normal shoes and much more efficient. And there's kind of this, you know, big bit of research. And we, we had sort of panorama and news night all lined up. And we thought this is going to be the kind of cigarette moment for the shoe industry. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to cut a long story short, it was, it wasn't. <laughs> and we'd sort of overordered stock and we got an overexcited and, and, and that was like our second probably, uh, well, and a, a much more profound, very, very close to bankruptcy moment. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, and we're probably now just about to go into another one with, with the wonderful world we live in. But, um, it was so, so, so it has nothing has happened suddenly, is, is the answer okay, to your yeah. question. It hasn't suddenly been a tipping point. It's just been a gradual improvement. We've, got, we've arguably gotten better and better at making slightly more attractive shoes. We've gotten better at um, communicating the message, maybe. We, you know, more and more people wear it. There's this sort of word of mouth, maybe, starts to grow. So it's been, you know, if you were to look at a graph of how we've grown, it's been a pretty steady graph. It, it is growing really fast now, um, which which is exciting, but it, it's not been any one thing, as it were, that suddenly happened. And, you know, as I said earlier, we've still got 
a hell of a long way to go, which mm. is far from conventional wisdom. And I wonder if the problem with educating the masses, as it were, I think very different to educating trainers and yoga teachers and the like, who are all willing to learn. And I guess what you get a lot in the broad fitness or wellness community is a willingness to learn from each other. Uh, I've noticed how that's affected yoga. Like I will, I will speak to a spinal surgeon about my thoughts on the spine and completely get shot to pieces. And so then I will change my view on that. And I think that that exists a lot in the wellness industry, but I think for the general populace, educating them can be quite hard because we're so inundated with information all the time. Uh, and I feel I feel bad for yeah. a journalist, like a New York Times journalist who spends six months researching a piece. <laughs> it trends on Twitter for a day and then it is soon... Uh, it's soon forgotten, isn't it? So your your efforts now, are they still heavily in? I guess you've, you've made the documentary, Shuspiracy, which is far more accessible uh, than perhaps, you know, a, a written article, as it were. But what are the what are the efforts now? Are the efforts generated to, to generate more word of mouth or to make the shoes more attractive? You just released a tennis shoe now, which I love and I've been wearing mm. daily since I received my... What's the name of it again? I call it the, the Vivo tennis shoe. What, what's the name of it again? The Geo Court. The Geo the Geo Court. Which is close to I guess to tennis shoe, isn't it? <laughs> In a sense. Yeah. But so what is what is uh the direction the now? Is your court. Yeah, no indeed. Um yeah, no I I, I it, it's just keep doing what we're doing on every front and trying to do it all a lot better. So from you know, we just launched the Vivo Health Broadcast. So we're trying to connect a, a bunch of educators from all around the world to, um, you know, where the world suddenly arguably become a lot more interested in health and natural mm. health and, um, you know, which, which is exciting for us and, and, and we can play the role of connecting um, great educators in, in that space to, to more and more people. We're obviously constantly working on better and better shoes. Um, one of the, you know, we've got a couple of, key initiatives launching in 2020 um, is one is we'll start to sell um, pre-loved shoes so to speak ah. we'll, we'll, we'll take back program we'll refurbish them repair mm. them and then you'll be able to uh, buy secondhand shoes from us called Revivo um, <laughs> working with a really cool company from Leeds called the boot repair company that's helping us put that together and then, you know, linked to the, all the indigenous stuff, we are um, going to launch, we hope by the end of this year, at least in a, in, a, in a small trial by the end of this year, 3D printed shoes. Oh, wow. Where wow. you can scan your foot either in a store or through your phone. And then we'll sort of bespoke make um, a shoe for you. And that's how shoes have been made ever since the dawn of time, basically, right? Where foot by foot, take the measurements and make something that works for your feet, you know, that's thin and minimal, made from local sustainable materials. We'll take it back, we'll recycle it, we'll make it into a new pair for you, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, that will, that's an exciting, mm. massive change that's going to happen in the shoe industry where this sort of big industrial complex of filling warehouses up with loads and loads of stock is, you know, hopefully that, that is going to draw to an end pretty soon. Indeed, mm. indeed. Draw coming back now, when you when you had these moments not of panic, panic's wrong, you didn't say that. <laughs> the moments where you thought, Oh no, I've got too much stock, oh no, you know, the the brand 
is 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 facing some kind of crisis how have you responded to that and how did you urge yourself to keep going and keep pushing as a kind of as a pioneer no i i think i got complete and 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 it's easy to to keep going as it were um when you believe in in it and and mm. i and i believe in it passionately and i and i and i think you know we're so lucky to have a business that you know and i and i really believe this that just by using the product the the user gets a a noticeable and meaningful improvement in health mm. just nothing else just use the product and walk around in it and 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 it will literally have a sort of meaningful improvement to your health and that which is a wonderful and you know helps you connect more with nature we like to think it makes people then make more sustainable choices in their mm. life they just sort of connect with the world in a in a more meaningful way with each other they feel better about themselves they feel better about you know it's just it's a it's a cool mission to be on right mm. and 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 we're also a challenge you know we want to be we're arguably not there yet but we we're up against some of the sexiest biggest baddest companies brands the world's ever known um in you know in the big sports companies peddling air and gel and torsion and whatever um and you know that's a great myth to bust as it were and um and it's exciting to to, to sort of be the david in that goliath fight and what what kind of criticism do you get from uh these kind of brands or associates about your shoes and how would you kind of uh, like fight back not much honestly and you know you'd be surprised i think you know the people i know from the big companies they a lot of their kind of you know whenever i sort of talk, and i've and i've made a few attempts to partner with some of them so and and nearly always it falls down because they want to compromise on on how barefoot the shoe is okay and you know we just we we you know we can't do that we don't believe in sort of being half pregnant as it were <laughs> with, with, um you, you, you it's either barefoot or it's not um and but, but a lot of them say to me look you know we totally believe in your philosophy and what you're doing we know it's right we've seen the science but the consumer isn't ready mm. ah okay so there's no one arguing against it there's no one you can't argue against it <laughs> i go to court I and mean, i have i've literally put my house and everything on the line for this mission and i go to court every day of the week to argue against air bubbles and mm. gel and whatever right and mm. like it's 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 uh it's irrefutable in in and in, in not just my opinion but we just you know people have known smoking is bad for you mm, since yeah. the 19th but it's taken a hell of a long time for people to really stop smoking but you know and, and look adults will always wear fashion shoes and they'll always want pointy looks and they'll always want to sort of stick out their best bits and raise themselves <laughs> on here whatever and as they will always smoke and they'll always drink and they'll always go out and 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 be you know live in london and impress the opposite sex and whatever whichever <laughs> way they can mm. um been there you know don't do it anymore i've last time i impressed the opposite sex was a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> um, but um um you know but it when it comes back to children right in my opinion putting children in normal padded supported shoes with that are not foot shaped is the same as giving them cigarettes 
Wow. Or, or even right. with Strong. wheels on them as well. <laughs> Sometimes now. Yeah, no, no, and I think people should be as, to me, it's as shocking seeing a kid walking around in shitty little heeled shoes that are pointy, literally deforming their feet, ruining their movement, building a sort of lifetime of bad movement, which, which ruins their childhood mm. as well. You know, and they, they arrive in adulthood deformed with shitty movement can't squat can't you know have no flexibility have no kind of love of movement mm. that's as that's as bad as as that to me that's as shocking as as giving them cigarettes every day westerners and, and, just don't you know. really um pay much attention to feet in general do they it's not it just doesn't seem as an important part of the body almost i mean when you do your exercise you move about but i've never really particularly found myself thinking about my feet well, and the shoes that i've worn in the past and how that might impact how i move well there is sometimes i guess disgust of feet as yeah, well yeah that's another <laughs> feet thing feet can be it kind is. of a taboo area can't they completely just... uh one i wonder where so we're speaking we're speaking at a time where there is a, a lockdown, as it were, I- across the world. And people, I guess, aren't dressing up so much, aren't going outside to impress anyone at the moment. And just walking around London or on my allowance per day, everyone is in re- relatively comfortable clothing. So I, I wonder if this will be a time where people reevaluate to a degree what is important uh, and actually question... Actually, the benefits of health and are they looking after themselves and what they could do to actually further look after themselves. So I wonder if this this might contribute towards an increasing awareness of clothes. Yeah, feet, well, feet <laughs> or just a clothing that doesn't necessarily need to look good, but can actually do good stuff for us. Yeah, I'm guessing no one's in heels 100%. inside. Now's the time to, you know, like you've got whatever it is, a couple of months, three, possibly three more months to... Um, you know, uh, get healthy, get your feet healthy. And, 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 and a lot of people find flat, wide shoes ugly, but who cares? Like, give it a go. You know, if I, if I can make a shameless plug, we offer a hundred day free trial. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so, so get a pair of shoes, try them. No one's, no one's looking at you. Like just try them for three months for 90 days. And if they don't, if you don't feel a fantastic benefit from it, then send them back. What can I ask? But, what are the benefits? Because you talked about that before. I'm just wondering how does it? How do you think they change your life, in, or can change your life for the better in three months' time? <laughs> You've got to sell yourself now. <laughs> I'm just interested. You know, I could, I could, I could, you know, be poetic about it and mm. talk about a connection to nature and vitality, and but the, but the. I'll tell you, like a new piece of science, for example, has just come out of Liverpool University that showed um, a longitudinal study over six months, uh, 50 people, 25 people wearing barefoot shoes, 25 people not, and they had to wear the barefoot shoes for at least 70% of the time, no exercise, no special stuff, just everyday life, walking around, nothing else. And the other 25 people um, just carrying on their daily life in their mm. normal shoes. And the, the people that wore barefoot shoes recorded a 60% increase in strength in their feet in six months' time. Now, wow. you might say, okay, well, what the fuck? I mean, who cares about getting strong feet? <laughs> to your earlier point about, about feet in general. But the point is not you get strong feet. The point is... On, on, on our, those people are just getting back their natural use, as it were, mm. right? And, and it's the people that are wearing normal shoes have weak feet. 
have weak shit feet because they're not using them. They're, they're, they're in little foot coffins. The muscles are atrophying. The nerve endings are not being stimulated. And, and so, you know, if you have weak feet, then you have to overcompensate that in the rest of your body. Your feet are designed to absorb shock. They're designed to be used in movement. Mm. And, if, and if you've got weak feet and you can't use them, then you have to overcompensate in your knees and your hips and your back. So, you know, more than 50% of people over 50 have some kind of chronic pain. Mm. You know, uh, uh, oh, I can't run anymore. I've got bad knees. I've got a bad back. I've got bad whatever, whatever. You know, it's ridiculous. Like, like if that was the case, you'd be dead if it wasn't for. Mm. Um, and and so, you know, the the benefits are you just get healthy, natural movement back, and you you, you get your and, and so many people just that they find their their back pain goes away, their hip pain goes away, they get flexibility back. You understand it from yoga. You're just using your feet, you get balance. Yeah. Another study we just did with Liverpool University showed that. Barefoot shoes compared to normal shoes is improves your balance by 40%. And, and so, you know, for old people, to, you know, just to have ground reaction, more ground reaction, you know, where, where, where the falls cost the NHS something like three and a half billion pounds a year. Oh, okay. So if you could just improve balance a little bit of old people, you know, just improve it by 10%. That's a 300 million pound saving right mm. there. Hmm. And so... You know, and, and, and also if, if people then got not only fell over less, but also started moving more, they need less medication, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So, you know, you know, it's about healthy natural movement. It's about vitality. It's about connecting with nature. And it's about, you know, being the best version of yourself at the end of the day. That's one thing I noticed. I noticed most when I started wearing them. Cause, you know, I'd seen them around the gym for years uh, and then I actually finally got a pair was this ability to just actually use my body more and you know as a yoga teacher i'm obsessed with actually finding strength in the loose bits and stabilizing the loose bits as well as opening the tight bits and you broke your foot and i broke my foot that was a part of the reason why i bought why i actually bought my first pair of vivos i had a motorbike accident uh, and i lost i lost a ligament in my foot and i thought i actually need to bring more awareness to it and actually start to strengthen and stabilize that whole area and it worked wonders. And actually, I saw a great physio as well and did lots of exercises. And I've had no surgery. The ligament still doesn't exist, but I feel strong. And actually just noticing like when I used to, when I deadlift or when I do squats and lunges, I'm aware of what my little toe is doing and my big toe. And I'm actually yeah. able to balance to such more of a significant degree and actually connected with nature. I wore the trackers. Uh, and I was a bit nervous to wear them, to be honest, because I had the foot injury. I thought, well, I don't want to go hiking in what appears to be a relatively vulnerable shoe. But I was walking in the Azures uh, on a kind of a, a volcanic, on the volcanic coastline. Uh, so relatively... I haven't been oh, trying to go there. Oh, it's mm. absolutely wonderful. It's, uh, it's like being in a rainforest, but with nothing that can kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but walking on that kind of terrain... I could, feel, I just felt so safe and secure, knowing that I could feel every bit of the terrain, but no, you know, and and actually could adapt to the changes. My ankles felt safe, uh, and just it, I, I'm I'm a massive advocate, and yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily wear them always on, on date night, uh, <laughs> but in date, well, actually the new one is perhaps a little bit more so. I'll still go out with you, yeah. but I uh, 
the, the, I really, I really, I really do swear by them. And and that is someone who is obsessed with actually getting people not just to point their toes like a ballerina, which is often an obsession in the yoga world. How pretty can you make your foot look? But actually using the foot and how you can actually use the muscles with the changing center of uh, center of gravity. Uh, a follow up, actually, kind of reversing back. When you set up the band, you know the science was there, but in a very a, a very small amount of people knew about the science. So there must have been resistance or questioning from friends or family or peers when you were going down this direction of travel. Uh, was there any fear your end? And I guess you say now, and you clearly you're so passionate about it now, and it's kind of a, a calling for you. But at some point, I guess it wasn't from the start. It was just a point of intrigue that could be a, a new business. So I'm just intrigued about that transition and how the people around you thought of it. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think anyone that close to me, you can imagine, gets a... Um, if they don't, it, you know, it's it's ultimately pretty tough to be around me and, and really be against barefoot shoes. Yeah. <laughs> So those those friends have gone. <laughs> You're like the vegan of the but, shoe world. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> they're definitely not vegan. Uh, although, vegans, but um, I mean, you know, vegan shoes is a is a whole another can of beans. Mm. Maybe we won't. I don't probably don't want to go there. Let's park that. Let's get back onto friends and family reaction initially when you went down this route. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, so the truth is that like a lot of my friends and family love the shoes and love that. And, 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 and I can't, on you know, hand on heart, anyone that's earnestly sort of worn them, given it time and kind of, um, you know, gone slow at first, hasn't, you know, one of the problems with barefoot shoes is sometimes people rush into it too quick and try to run too quickly, for example. Mm. And and it's a bit like kind of if you've got your arm in a cast and mm. you suddenly go and play tennis, you'd hurt your arm. You need to take it slow. You need to build up strength and build up the activity level. But I can hand on heart say that I don't know anyone that has, uh, you know, has gone into it in a gentle, considered way that hasn't had a a really great experience mm. and there's no magic in the shoes that's just going back to you know natural movement and barefoot and, and and everybody loves it everybody loves getting home take kicking off their shoes and so you know any, any friend or family like ultimately like believes in it as well that, that, that's that's close to me um and so yeah look it was absolutely terrifying in 2012 i got out of two businesses that were making were a lot more profitable and doing a lot better than barefoot was um, and decided to stop them and 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 focus everything on vivo um, and yeah it was and it's it still is to a degree right I mean we're sitting in lockdown God knows what the hell's going to happen to the world mm. but you know I even if we went back you know and it was once upon a time it was me plus one other person. You know, and even if it went back to that, I still believe that, you know, I'd, I'd be doing, I'd be just sort of cobbling away on the anvil as it were. And, you know, that's not so bad. So, yeah, I'm, I'm scared of um, uh, the, the challenges of 
the inevitable challenges of business, et cetera, et cetera. And, and mainly because, you know, there's a lot of people that work in the company and one hates to see anybody let go or anything like mm. that. Um, so, you know, you, you, you end up sort of not working, you know, you, you're, you're, you're a company then and a sort of um, band of pirates or something. <laughs> <laughs> you want to bring everyone out of the mission alive, as it were, right? Mm, <laughs> indeed, yeah. indeed. Um, so my, you know, but, and, and obviously one's worried about that in these times now, but, um, no, the, 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 the sort of, the fear is completely covered up by a belief in what we're doing, I think. And I guess that's, that belief is the thing that's, that always keeps you going and always pulls you through at times when you face challenges and obstacles, the belief keeps you going, right? Has there ever been a point where you've wanted to give up? Sure. I mean, but yeah, but but not really. I mean, you know, my I, one of my favorite definition of success is is failing, um, but then waking up the next morning with no lack of enthusiasm. Oh, I like and, that. Mm. And I, you know, I just fail miserably every day, and just about everything I turn my hand to, um, <laughs> some degree of failure. Um, but you know, I I I, I do remain enthusiastic. And you can't ask me that in life. I think no, I, I completely agree. If you can find something you are passionate about that drives you, that can of course make money as well and provide those. Yeah, provide that, all of that. That's success in itself, isn't it? If you're waking up enthusiastic about what you're doing, then whatever the end goal is, you're surely successful based on that alone. I guess in a way. So we're yeah. um, we're closing in on an hour almost about 50 minutes in so we're going to just turn to some slightly quicker questions now if that's okay so i guess a question for you is on this journey is there any bad advice you've been given and equally any good advice that you would pass on to people looking to succeed in an industry similar to what what you've been doing um i think you know i think it's really interesting and it's it um the advice in business and the business kind of approach as it were i think is is um does is different at different stages as it were i mean um i think you know in the beginning we were completely kind of passion led as it were and we got the business wrong mm. um and so um and, and a lot of businesses in in those early stages are, are sort of totally passionate, but get the basic business bits wrong, as it were. So, to sort of to do the business one hundred and one stuff and get the, the, the good enough accountants in place mm-hmm. and good data that you're looking at regularly, and then making sort of accurate decisions, et cetera, et cetera. It all seems so basic, but so many businesses don't get that get that wrong mm. especially in the early days mm. and you kind of can't do enough to get it to get it right because you know a bit like your brain getting bad information when you walk it makes bad decisions then if mm. it's from padded shoes whereas <laughs> if it gets really accurate um sensory feedback then it makes mm. good decisions it's the same in business so um, you, and you- i massively undercooked that in the beginning I realise we're on quick fire questions. I was just interested though. Do you think your business is going up and up and up based on your excellent brain activity now due to wearing your barefoot shoes? (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Great. Yeah, I'm never really smarter. I'm just getting smarter and smarter. Every year. It's the shoes. <laughs> really, really stupid in the beginning, and uh, yeah. I've kept myself and, some. You know, but, but then I would say, like, you know, and then, but then the danger is, you go if you go too far that way, you start sort of hiring people and putting, you know, where you get maybe the balance wrong between. Mm. Um, sort of cultural alignment, let's say, to the mission and skills needed for the business. Mm. And, and, and that's, a, that, you know, that's a constant balance you've got to find, as it were, through um, as, as you build the business and build the team. And, and ultimately, it's a massive cliche, but it is all about people and teams. Mm. And most of my job now is getting, the, you know, is, is the team and working together mm. and um, and, and building a culture that um, is, is right for the mission. Right, next quickfire question then. Of all the places you've been to, which is a hell of a lot, is there anywhere that you would recommend people go? And why? Um, where I am now. This is top secret location. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, um, I, you know, I do genuinely believe that southwest england is the best place in the world but i've mentioned two places on this podcast and and probably for a reason and if 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 you do have the opportunity to travel far and wide then i think to get up to lapland is is truly special and, Mm. and, and and unique and especially if you can find a way to hang out with the locals and you know kind of not just go on a kind of northern lights tour or father christmas tour mm-hmm. uh, and then and then and at the other extreme you know i i think the kalahari desert is one of the most beautiful sort of untouched places on earth and the bushmen living there are arguably um some of the humans that are still as genetically pure and have living as unchanged a life as long as anyone's lived it in one place as it were in a really really remarkable kind of otherworldly place and the mm. last place i would say where i just went my wife is from um lake baikal where is this which where is, is um it's a big fresh lake where 20 percent of the world's fresh water is wow um just uh it's in russia but it's just over the mongolian border mm. so her tribe of buryats um and and that is a, a a truly remarkable and fairly untouched place. Wow. And you know, if you can go there in winter, um, when there's when the when the lake is kind of two meters deep ice, it's like what I imagine being on the moon or something. Oh, let's put these on the list. I've heard I've heard people describe Mongolia like that many times, like moon. being on the moon. Speaking. So in in the summer, <laughs> that part that part that part of the world would that be quite dry and arid? that part of yeah, it's very, very 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 continental climate so it's very dry and so it's extremely cold in the winter and then extremely hot in the summer so it goes from sort of minus 30 to or even minus 40 to plus 40 kind of mm. thing over the year i've actually uh, on a lapland note i've actually just ordered an axe from oh, from God. uh Holly, to Holly's disapproval. Hang from, on, you've ordered an axe no oh, i've got it i've got it right okay i was gonna say it's not another one on the way from that from that that culture Actually, I love it. It's such a beautiful piece of art. Well, art. It will probably stay art for a while. <laughs> I, I, it's, Hang uh, it it's, on the wall. It's my. It's like a, a motivational thing for me. One day, I want to live a life where I can use this kind of Sammy axe, and I'll have a genuine <laughs> oh, need yeah. for it. 
Out in the country. Should we have one more? Yeah. You know, yeah, that's it. That's it. They, they, judge, they judge you by how, how um, good your wood pile is. That's like basically the measure of the person is. <laughs> your manhood. Accurately yeah. Their wood pile is. And they have wonderful knives, don't they? And I think actually like the Norwegian special forces use a Sami knife, actually. I'm going to geek in out on knives and axes, but I believe that. Tenny's a manly conversation here. <laughs> Should we have one more question? Yeah, go on. Uh, do you have a mantra or a philosophy that you live by, something that you maybe come back to in, when times are a little bit tough? Well, one of my favourite sayings in, in Vivo, which just you, you reminded me of in, in the question you asked is, you know, at the end of all our exploring, we come back to the beginning and know the place for the very first time. Oh, that's lovely. And, you know, um, which is um, Ted, Ted Hughes, the per, the per, one of those um, mm -hmm. great English poets. I think I've got that wrong now. We'll find it. Um, we'll find it and put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a, it's a, it's it's and we use that a lot in vivo because obviously you know it's 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 kind of through modern science and through everything we're learning, we're rediscovering biological norms. It's the same with the way we eat and our gut biome and the way we sleep and the circadian rhythms and equally the way we move. Like through modern science, we're sort of rediscovering ancient wisdoms and. Mm. I, th I think that's a you know it's a sort of avatar dream for the future of the world, as it were, that we. We, we we understand everything we've got unbelievable modern technology but ultimately we return to nature and live in harmony with it mm. because that ultimately is is what we learn what we will learn to do that's a really through, nice yeah. that's a really nice place to finish yeah i think a lovely place to finish there thank, thank you, you so much. much really enjoyed that conversation thank you I'm yeah, thank you. Oh, hang on. Where do we find? Oh, yes. No. Okay. Where? What do we need to refer people to on like social media wise or website wise or anything you want to say about Vivo? I mean, I've been talking about the lockdown and things. We have a thing called the Vivo Health Broadcast where um, I know we're offering toga at 7.30 every morning to wake up your feet and get your feet oh, amazing. strong. Amazing. <laughs> series of foot exercises and things. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other kind of exercises that are going through the Vivo Instagram, Vivo Bear for Instagram. Um, and then of course, you know, try a pair, hundred day free trial, vivobarefoot.com, nothing to lose. Um, you know, I, I know it's a big step, especially for women. And, you know, honestly, we have a, uh, still on a journey to perfect beautiful, women's barefoot shoes um but you you're you know having happy feet makes for a happy life love that <laughs> thank you so much honestly unbalanced